0: Chapter 9 of Anthony Trent, Master Criminal by Wyndham Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter 9 The Countess. The next morning Anthony Trent observed that Mrs. Kinney was filled with the excitement that attended the reading of an unusual crime as set forth by the morning papers. It was in those crimes committed in the higher circles of society which intrigued her most-that society which she had served as a rule trent let her wander on feeling that her pleasures were few sometimes he thought it a little curious that she should concern herself with affairs in which he was sure sooner or later to be involved it was a relief to know she spoke of them to none but him he rarely bothered to follow her rambling recitals contenting himself now and again with exclamations of supposed interest but this morning he was suddenly roused from his meditations by the mention of the word guestwick what's that he demanded I was telling you about the guestwick robbery sir she said as she filled his cup he did not as a rule look at the paper until his breakfast was done to send her for it now might later be used as a chain in the evidence that might even now be forging for him he affected a lukewarm interest what was it he asked money mad returned mrs kinney shaking her head all money mad the root of all evil a robbery was it it was like this mrs kenny responded strangely gratified that her employer found her recital worth listening to there was fifty thousand dollars in cash in the safe in mr guestwick's library he's a millionaire and lives on fifth avenue it's a most mysterious case the butler swears his master rang him up and told him to send all the servants to bed at length mrs kinney recited Briggs's evidence before the police captain who was hurriedly summoned to the mansion they arrested the butler said mrs kinney mr guestwick says he came from one of those castles in england where dissolute noblemen do nothing but shoot foxes all day and play cards all night the police theory is that the butler admitted them and then went to bed so as to prove an alibi mr guestwick denies sending any such message yes he was at the opera anthony trent fought down the desire to rush out into the kitchen and take the paper from before mrs kinney's plate she had said that briggs was to have admitted more than one person how many did this suspected butler let in only one the man he was in evening dress briggs suspected him from the first but daren't go against his master's positive instructions briggs the butler says the man must have opened the door to his accomplice when he'd been sent off to bed with instructions not to answer any bell or telephone. The other was a beautiful young woman, dressed just as she'd come from the opera herself. "'Who saw her, if Briggs did not?' he demanded. "'They caught her,' Mrs. Kinney returned triumphantly. "'And the arrest of her accomplice is expected any minute. "'They know who he is.' "'Anthony Trent put down his untasted coffee.' "'That's interesting,' he commented. "'Do they mention his name?' "'I don't know as they did,' she replied. "'I'll go fetch the paper.' He read it through with a deeper interest than he had ever taken in printed sheet before. Such was Guestwick's importance that two columns had been devoted to him. Mr. Guestwick, on returning from the opera, was incensed to find none to let him in his own house. He was compelled to use a latchkey." The house was silent and unlighted. Mr. Guestwick, although a man of courage, felt the safety of his womenfolk would be better guarded if he called in a passing policeman. In the library they came face to face with crime. There, standing at the closed safe, her skirt caught as the heavy doors had swung to, was a beautiful woman, engaged as they came upon her, in trying to tear off the imprisoning garments. Five minutes later and she would have escaped,' said police sapiens." fingerprints revealed her as a very well-known criminal known to the continental police as the countess she was one of a high-class gang which operated as a rule on the french and italian riviera and owed its success to the ease with which it could assume the manners and customs of the aristocracy it planned to steal from the countess for example spoke english with a perfection of idiom and inflection that was unequalled by a foreigner she was believed to come from an old family of tuscany Despite a rigid examination by the police, she had declined to make any explanation. That, she told him would be done in court. Anthony Trent looked at the clock. It was nine, and she would be brought before a magistrate at half past ten. So he had been fooled. All those high resolves of his had been brought into being by a woman who must have been laughing at him all the while who must have congratulated herself that her lies had touched a man's heart and left fifty thousand dollars for her. It was a bitter and harder Anthony Trent that came to the police court, a man who was now almost as ashamed at his determination of last night to abandon his career, as he was now anxious to pursue it. There was possibly some danger in going. Briggs would be there. The woman might point at him in open court. There were a hundred dangers but they had no power to deter him he swore to watch her gain what particulars he might as to her past life and associates and then take his revenge god how she had hoodwinked him his face he must of course disguise in some simple manner it was not difficult in court he took a seat not too far back chewing gum as he had often observed in the subway had a marvellous power in altering an expression He sat there, his lower jaw thrust out and his mouth drawn down, ceaselessly chewing, and one eye was partially closed. He had brought the thing to perfection. With shoulders hunched, he looked without fear of detection into the fascinating green eyes of the Countess. By this time, her defence was arranged. Last night, her lawyer explained, she was so overcome with the shock that she could not make even a simple statement to the police. "'Miss Violet Benyon,' he declared, of London, England, and temporarily at the plaza, had felt on the previous evening need for a walk. Knowing Fifth Avenue to be absolutely safe, she walked north. Passing the Gastwick mansion, she saw a man in evening dress stealing down the steps, across the road and into the park. Fearing robbery, she had rung the bell. Getting no answer and finding the door open, she went in. The only light was in the library. Of a fearless nature, Miss Benyon of London went boldly in. There was an open safe. This she closed, and in the doing of it was imprisoned. That was all. The lawyer swept the fingerprints aside as unworthy evidence. He was appearing before a Neolithic magistrate who was prejudiced against them. An imposing old lady, who claimed to be Miss Benyon's aunt, went bail for her niece's appearance to the amount of $10,000. She mentioned as close friends, names of well-known americans socially elect who would rush to her rescue ere the day was out so impressive was she and so splendid a witness did miss benyon make that the magistrate disregarded mr guestwick's plea and admitted her to bail trent knew very well that central office men would dog the steps of aunt and niece making escape almost impossible but he was nevertheless convinced that miss violet benyon of london or the countess from the riviera would never return to the magistrate's court as that trusting jurist anticipated and anthony trent was right the two women despite police surveillance left the hotel and merged themselves among the millions the younger woman taking advantage of her new maid's inexperience offered her a reward for permitting her to escape by backways in order to win as she averred a bet the aunt's escape was unexplained by the police they found awaiting the elder woman's coming a girl from a milliner's shop. She was allowed to go without examination. Trent read the account very carefully and stored every published particular in his trained memory. There was no doubt in his mind that the milliner's assistant was the so-called aunt. He remembered her as a slim, elderly woman, very much made up. On his own account he called at the milliner's and made some inquiries. He found that there was no account with the Bennions and no assistant had been sent to the hotel." It was none of his business to aid police authorities, and he was not anxious that the two should be caught in that way. There would come a time when he was retired from his present occupation, when he would feel the need of excitement. Getting even with a clever actress who prevented him from taking the guestwick money would call for his astutest planning. End of chapter 9